This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Another one. Yes, Michael Flynn is the new manager of Swindon Town FC. And here is a quick vibe check to see where we are with this, how we are feeling, and to share his emotions. It's the boy in the bitter land. It's Connor. Hello, Connor. Hello, Rich. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to sort of try and judge the vibes on this one. It's one of my specialities. So, um, yeah, glad to be on. The first thing we need to really address is the turnaround. I think everybody is keen to give Swindon Town a firm pat on the back for doing this in just one week. It must have been in talks before Jody Morris left. But yes, congratulations, Swindon Town, on a quick turnaround. Yeah, 100% is uh, a sensible amount of time to take a, for an appointment, I think, isn't it? Like not rushing into something, but taking a little bit of time to make the right decision. Um but yeah, I mean, you don't want you don't want to have no one sort of in post. And I think what this highlights as well is just how useful it's going to be having someone in post from the 9th of May, I think, uh, in terms of going into next season, because this will be the first season, honestly, since 2019, where we can hopefully have a full pre-season properly unaffected by managerial stuff, by the pandemic or by um, ownership wrangles and all that kind of stuff. So 
Um, from that side of things, I think even if we'd have just appointed anyone random, I think I'd just be happy at the fact that, you know, although the season's not till August, we're already starting to plan for it now, which is always the, the key thing. Yeah, splendid. So Michael Flynn has signed a two-year contract and brings his assistant manager from his Newport days and Walsall days, Wayne Hatswell, who's a Swindonian. And let's be honest, let's get out of the way now, famous for a fantastic own goal he scored for Forest Green Rovers many years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, it's good to have another Swindonian in the in the building, isn't it? As uh, Lu- um, Louis mentioned yesterday on the uh, Crawley Review pod. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I actually haven't seen the clip of the own goal, so I think I might have to do some homework after this recording. Yes, do look it up. It is very, very funny. And I think the thing, the, the icing on the cake for me when he scored that own goal was that he joined Oxford United shortly afterwards. Uh, not the behaviour of a Swindonian, but we'll forgive him for now. Yeah, we can't all be perfect, right? We, we all make mistakes in our lives, Rich. Can you give me an example of a mistake you've made similar to this? I've been attending Swindon games for the past 21 years of my life, so... <laughs> <laughs> Touché, very good. Okay then, so I guess right now, talk me through your thought process, your journey of hearing this news and where you are now, over 24 hours gone. So Sunday was quite a busy day on the rumour mill. I think there were three or four or five names circulating amongst the fan base from Austin, player-manager, to Artel, to Flynn. I've almost certainly missed one out. And then it turned out to be Flynn. Walk me through your, your stages of reaction from this. Well, so to be honest, there's probably only two stages in in, in terms of this because uh, I must have been quite detached from the rumor mill because I just I saw from enough people saying it was Flynn that I just assumed it probably was Flynn or that you know it, we might be trying to appoint Flynn, but it would happen in about six months' time. Um, so my my initial reaction was I think quite a knee jerky one, which it quite often is with a new manager. Um, I think that's that's fair enough. And but I was, I was kind of uh, thinking back to some of the football I've seen his sides play. And obviously we have seen um, plenty of Michael Flynn's sides uh, over the last few seasons. Uh, and I've never really particularly been enjoyable to watch, but obviously they have also usually had the sort of run of the results against us as well. Um, so I think I, I tend to think you want to have a team that are able to sort of mix being able to play football in a, slightly aesthetically pleasing way with um, something uh, that is also effective and um, can sort of hold its own in terms of strength in, in League Two, um, which is, for me, whenever I go back and I think about what's the perfect kind of style to play in this division, I do think of um, Richie Wellens' team, honestly. Um, so I'm not sure if... I, I wasn't sure if the style of play kind of side of things would be something I'd want to watch. Obviously, we've been stung by, you know sort of a more robust kind of footballing style before in this division where it's not quite worked. Um, And also just then you reflect on, I guess, sort of the fact that things seem to go stale towards the end of his Newport uh, reign. I don't know if that was a fair interpretation of how that went, but um, it definitely seemed that a lot of the enthusiasm that was typical of sort of the early part of his his sort of um, spell there kind of wore out towards the end. Uh, which is natural, I guess. And then also just how, you know, Walsall's not been a great job. Um, with, I mean, looking at that without sort of knowing a lot of the facts. Um, yeah. 
you look at sort of where a, a team with you know what a good manager in League Two would, where they'd expect to be, um, and uh, yeah, they were not quite there, were they? So I guess I was kind of skeptical to begin with. Um, then kind of hear, hear a little bit of back and forth about different aspects of his management, um, looking at sort of a little bit more into the details of that kind of thing. Um, and also just try and think about it in terms of, well, what are my actual problems with it? Or what are my problems with um, the club's approach in recent seasons? And how does this appointment actually stack up against those kind of things? And then I actually began to think, well, actually, this does kind of answer a lot of the problems I had with our decisions over the last year or so. Um, and maybe that means it's a good thing and I'm completely on side. I don't know. Uh, so um, in terms of, I, f- I think looking at his size, you'd imagine the first thing he wants to get right is just the basics and build a good spine to a team. And that's what we've seen from, from his teams before. So that's something we've really lacked this this season definitely but I think also in a couple of the seasons before that just in terms of sort of having a reliable sort of maybe five or six players that are going to sort of build the the team and allow sort of every, give you a platform to basically allow you um, to to play the exciting nice football that we all want to see um, and get some results um, definitely definitely missing the season so um, if, if you sort of take for granted that that would be something that he would find important um, to instill in the club once he arrives, then I think that's a, a big tick for me, um, just in terms of becoming a little bit more solid. Um, so I've kind of, I've talked myself around in that part. Then just the decisiveness as well of bringing him in early, I think that's a, a big tick because that was a massive negative on the previous two kind of appointments. And then also just looking at the fact that his last job hasn't gone well. I mean, we've had a lot of good managers at our club in the past that their job before us was not good and then they did well here. I mean, I harked back to Richie Wellens a couple of minutes ago and uh, he was kind of in a similar kind of boat there in terms of, on paper, his his role at Oldham didn't go quite quite to plan, but then he came here and, uh, and did really well. Um, I, I guess it, it's learning from those previous experiences and, um, yeah, building on those Um that actually makes you a better manager. So could that from that side, it could be a good thing. And then also just in terms of you know, the experience, that's better than the manager we started the season with. Um, actually, the, the manager we ended the season with as well in terms of Jody Morris. Um, as, as a front man, uh, a lower league, League Two manager. Um, but also I think just in terms of needing the job to go correctly, I think to go well, I feel like if, if he wants to sort of make the step up, and I'm sure he will want to, eventually become like a League One manager and work his way through the, the game from there, um, having got a lot of experience at League Two. Um, I think he would need this job to go better than potentially the previous two he did, where you, you had a manager beginning the season, Scott Lindsay, that I guess this was kind of a, a platform into management for him. Um, a little bit of a free hit because there was not much expectation that he'd become a Football League manager, I don't think. Um, and then Jody Morris, where if he failed, he'd probably easily slip back into... Um, an academy set up somewhere or become an assistant manager to someone at some point anyway, regardless of what happens. So, um, yeah, the, the, the motivation should be there for him. And I think that above all is why I'm actually now sort of, you know, tentatively quite optimistic. Good. Yeah, I, I think I share that sentiment. Um, Swindon Town seem to be going through like a, a reset project at the moment, don't they? Where they're slowly but surely acknowledging all the issues that, that we face. That doesn't get them out of the uh, 
absolute blasting we're going to give them in this end of season <laughs> review, but it, it, it bodes well for, for, for next season. Um, in terms of Flynn, the manager, um, he was a thorn in Swindon's side uh, throughout, especially for Richie Wellen. So we've played against a Flynn side 11 times. Flynn has won six of them and drawn two and, and lost only three. Uh, and the goal scored and against are both 12. And of course, Ghana had him on toast uh, last season. But yeah, I think he did the double over Richie Wellens in the uh, PPG era. It's an interesting career because I think a lot of people just pile on to Wikipedia and look at his percentages without reading the, the very detailed <laughs> um, summary of his Newport career. I mean, it started so, so fantastically well for him in management. This is his hometown club in Newport. They are looking destined for the National League and he comes in with 12 games to play and wins seven of them and that keeps them up and it's incredible. And I think when you look through the the four or five seasons that he's had, both Newport and Walsall, I think combined it's about six, six and a bit seasons, there's always something happening. So two of his seasons have ended up in playoff finals where they've lost 1-0 Newport in, in both of the finals in extra time. Um, and on top of those are cup runs, which has to be a head turner. And I know Chris Hull mentioned it on the pitch when he was unveiled against Crawley. I know the, the initial statement mentions it too, but he's never he's never competed in the FA Cup as a manager and, and finished before round three. So he's always achieved round three or higher. He even got to round five at one stage with Newport, which is a huge, huge thing for a lower league manager to boast. And he's also progressed in the League Cup as well, getting to round four one year. He's always got something going on. That's something I think we can be excited about. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it would be lovely to have a few cup runs. If we can go a few rounds into both of those competitions next season, I think that and being there or thereabouts in the playoffs would be um, a good season um, in terms of, I think, in terms of how my expectations have kind of been uh, blown apart by this season uh, that we've just had. I think, yeah, improving from where we are now to like next season in the the league places and having some memorable cup runs, uh, that would be really exciting. So, uh, and also from, from the club's perspective, I think, given that a lot of the sort of advisory board minutes and all that kind of stuff are about driving finances and how uh, we had the unexpected income of Man City last season and haven't quite had that this season, I think actually prioritising those and hopefully getting a little bit of revenue uh, that's extra and not counted for um, is uh, something that, especially if we manage to get through a few rounds of the League Cup and then into the third round of the FA Cup, then... um, it's the sort of thing where we might be able to realistically go into a January window for the first time in a while and hope that we might even strengthen rather than just sort of fall apart or keep the same kind of team available as we had um, in, in the first part of the season. So I think there's there's a lot on that kind of side of things to be excited about. Um, and yeah, in terms of, as you mentioned right at the start there, the, the fact that we seem to be resetting a little bit based on going a slightly different direction to what we have, I think. I think it. I think it was needed. I think we've we've criticised the approach from the last season enough on the podcast that we probably don't need to go into too much into the details. I, I guess the thing is, we we all we have to hope is that we're resetting it in the right way, and what we're doing now is a really thought out and considered kind of thing, rather than just 
what we were doing before was didn't get the results that we wanted. So we're just going to do the opposite of that, or we're going to do something quite different to that. Um, because obviously, even in an approach that didn't work out, I'm sure there were some parts of that that were actually good and worked out well. So it's about finding the, the correct thing. So I guess the the thing with him is, what pro, I guess from that season that we weren't in the league, we wouldn't have watched that much of Newport. But I think the the word on the street then was once they got the new pitch uh, at, at Newport, they started to play a little bit nicer football. And obviously, we, we saw some of the goals that Scott Twine scored. Um, so... I'm hoping that that's the kind of Michael Flynn team that we're going to see. Um, and the the fact he was able to do that with a, a player that we know, we, we saw Scott trying before he went on that loan at Newport and played under Michael Flynn. And we saw him after that um, and, and what he's gone on to um, since. Um, it'd be really nice if, you know, there are a couple of those young players that have been brought in this season um, through the sort of model that we've had um, that he's maybe able to boost. If, if I'm someone like Jacob Wakeling or um, even one of the sort of uh, younger academy lads, I'd probably be quite excited to work with him uh, based on some of the stuff that I've I've seen from his players before. In terms of the cup runs, I think I worked out the other day that in the four FA Cup campaigns he had with Newport, he played 19 games. Some of those include replays. If you did 19 Swindon FA Cup games, that takes us back to the Wigan game in, in, the 20, in 2011-2012 under Di Canio, which is just insane and highlights how poor our FA Cup form has been. But I think the really good point that you make moving on is what Flynn did for Twine. And I don't think it's the thing that people are talking about enough. You know, Twine was on the fast track to Chippenham Town when he was at Swindon before going on loan to Newport. And then Flynn did whatever he did to turn him in. It might have just been giving him Football League minutes and it showed him that, yes, he is somebody who can shoot from distance, but there was also a lot more to it to his game. And as much as we would like to take credit for unearthing Scott Twine, who's now moving to the Premier League with Burnley, Flynn must surely take the overwhelming majority of the credit for that. Credit can be shared around. I mean, the, the academy staff that worked with Twine as a younger player probably take more credit than, than anyone else. But um, I guess now, now that Flynn's part of the STFC family, um, then that credit has gone back into the STS, STFC <laughs> uh, bank. So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely it's... If, if you can do that kind of thing with a player and just kind of turn the uh, trajectory of a career around, even if that there's something innate in that player that probably would um, have helped him sort of get going in the right direction anyway, uh, then um, I think that's the sign of a really good manager. And being able to get stuff out of players that is there just being able to unlock things in there we have a couple of sort of players that throughout the season we've said are quite raw uh, and the um attributes are there and the abilities are there but they're not necessarily all unlocked at the same time and uh, all present on the pitch um so if he's able to sort of go in and coach a couple of these players to sort of get that extra 10 20 percent and become really impressive players at the level then um that would be really exciting just looking at the current squad. And that's even before we get to um, the sort of prospect of a couple of the good players he's managed in the past joining and um, anyone new that um, they've scouted in the meantime as well. So yeah, all around, I think now that I think about it in greater detail, I see a lot of the logic and I'm getting quite excited about next season, not in a HMS piddle the league kind of way, but just in a, I feel like I'm probably not going to be quite as down on things this next season as I have been with this. 
Yeah, doesn't take much, does it? It really doesn't. Are we expecting Mickey Dimitriou and Priestley, Farkerson and Kevin Ellison making an emotional return to the EFL anytime soon? Uh, <laughs> uh, it'd be quite a uh, sort of turn up for the books if we managed to get Kevin Ellison um, down there and uh, be on the other side of his uh, Voldemort <laughs> escapades or whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, no... I, I guess it'll be interesting to see how it goes. So what you're saying is we won't be hearing the town end sing and it's slivering town, slivering town FC when Ellison returns. I really don't want to hear that happen. So um... <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be something age, what, 43 or whatever? Anyway, we'll move on. So what do you want from Flynn in terms of like, Style. You were saying about like the stuff we heard about his football not being the prettiest to the eye, but Swindon Town fans were definitely highlighting the fact that it could be ugly as long as it's successful and it doesn't really matter, does it? Just get us out of this division in a positive way. It, it's hard for you to answer this because you're you're based in a different country and <laughs> and won't be visiting the county ground as much as you would probably like. But is it that much of a factor? style of football when things are going well it's a really difficult one isn't it because everyone's got their own different ideas on things and um also a lot of it i think just comes down to the players on the pitch anyway i think you can you can give um a manager that has these really in quotation marks progressive ideas um a bunch of players that it doesn't suit um, and that is not an attractive thing to watch like watching a team trying to try and build from the back and and play sideways, sideways passes without any kind of incision or technical ability is not actually an attractive style of play to watch. Meanwhile, playing a lot more direct and robust with a, a bunch of players that are really, really talented and can do things with the ball that you couldn't imagine um, is attractive. So I guess it's... I get, for me, it's about finding a balance in terms of not just sort of um, becoming a little bit of a parody in terms of, um, yeah, just humping balls long and uh, long throws and all this kind of stuff. Uh, being able to sort of play in a, a few different ways that will get us results. So when that when you need to mix it, then mixing it. When you need to play your way out of danger, then being able to play your way out of danger. And, and just kind of having the sort of street smarts of being able to kind of do both sides of the game. That's kind of the, the, the way that I would look at it. Um, I think that the thing that playing style comes down to I think I think playing style is probably a little bit more important when you're losing in terms of if you're trying to do the right thing or if you're if you're trying to play football in a certain way that you know when done correctly should lead to sort of really good results uh, and it doesn't quite work out then even in defeat you can at least point to like there's this process in place and it's hopefully going to work out in the long run um, whereas when you're just sort of playing percentages football and it's not quite working out uh it becomes a lot harder to kind of enjoy it. So, um, yeah, obviously, when when you're actually winning, I think it, it doesn't quite matter so much. I mean, probably when you when you're watching incredible football that you just want to sort of just like pour over the footage of the goals and all that kind of stuff in great detail, uh, then it probably it makes it slightly better. Just sort of in in the way that we, we have played in the past. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's probably more of a thing when. Yeah, we're just trying to look at sort of available information and maximise for sort of, I don't know, get, getting the right balance between getting the results and then, you know, on the odd occasion when we don't win because we're not going to win every game, um, at least kind of feeling that, oh, on another day, it could have all, it could have gone our way anyway. So, yeah, I, I think 
I don't want to. I don't want to watch sort of horrible football. I don't care if it's the most intricate football. I think there's this narrative that I don't believe is true that you can't get out of League Two playing attractive football because we have been promoted from League Two playing attractive football for the last few years. Um, we nearly did it last season as well. Uh, so it's something that you can do. Leighton Orient did it this season as well. Um, possibly someone in the playoffs will do it um, this season. Uh, but at the same time, I think you, yeah, you just need to be able to sort of play in a few different ways and have plans for when you're not being able to play uh, the, the game that you want, just to be able to establish yourself and and do well. And yeah, like I say, I go back to that that Richie Wellens team. Some of the stuff that they did with the ball technically was incredible, but also you had a solid base uh, upon which that could be built. Uh, and uh, ultimately, I think if you look at that that sort of twine season that Newport had and I'm imagining that that's kind of what he had built there. Um, and yeah, if you're on a small budget, which I'm assuming Newport were in the first few years that they were there based on where they came from to where they ended up, uh, then yeah, you, I guess to a, to a certain extent, you do have to just kind of maximise things and you have to get the basics right first. So uh, yeah, long answer to not really come up with <laughs> not much conclusive, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's it, it's one of those things. It matters, but it's not the most important thing. But it's it's something nice for for us fans. And what we saw at halftime at Crawley was a complete shift from what we've had the last few managers, head coaches at Swindon, where he by choice, granted with us two nil up, uh, went onto the pitch, answered some basic questions, and gave the right answers. And there is this sense that he gets it in terms of communication between him and the fan base and having that connection and that will go a long way especially if the football isn't as as pretty shall we say than than what some fans would like not that that's the most important thing but if he explains the method to his madness then fans will always feel better about that yeah take us along with you like show us you're working uh and you know, if you don't quite get there, then at least we might be able to see that you're barking up the right trees. Or, you know, obviously the flip side of that is if you're sort of completely doing the wrong thing, then then it becomes quite obvious and people will turn on you for that. But if you are doing the right thing, and I think everyone in their kind of roles, especially a football manager, should be striving to do the correct thing, uh, then I think people will be able to recognise, like, yeah, okay, maybe we didn't win today, but what we tried to do in in, in that kind of thing was a was good and we'll be excited for next week. So yeah, building a relationship with the fans, I think will be really important. And I think that's is probably why, despite a really good season, Ben Garner wasn't quite um, so well loved within the fan base because he was just quite distant in, in, in sort of certain moments with uh, the fan base as a whole. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't think either of the managers this season did anything to kind of build a kind of relationship with the fan base, despite the fact that, especially with Scott Lindsay, I think the fan base at the beginning was quite open to building that kind of thing in, in, in terms of sort of talking about what a great bloke he was and the, the passion he'd shown as an assistant manager the year before. Um, I think it's I think it's something the fan base would really like, but you do have to go to the effort of building it. So, yeah, really great start doing that on the pitch. Obviously, I've not listened to exactly what he said, um, but I'm glad that he's engaging in that way. And you know, I would just like a, a manager that sort of is appearing in the media, is giving sort of time to um, different kind of initiatives in, I don't know, 
you know, appearing on sort of more media stuff and just, yeah, talking to us in a way that is interesting rather than just sort of, yeah, 20 minutes of quotes that come out every, maybe once or twice a week, um, as we've had in the last few seasons that you don't really get much insight into. So, uh, yeah, here's hoping uh, that that all works out. Obviously, we were saying about Jody Morris the day that he came in, like he talked at length in the press conference um, and, and that all seemed rosy, but then it wasn't. So, uh, yeah, it's a good start, but it is only a start. And let's hope that throughout the summer, start of next season, um, he continues to back that up and uh, we have a manager that we like. <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine that. And finally, given the, the, the time of the year that he's been appointed with the retain list just about to be announced, which he'll have, I guess, a little bit of say in, uh, and that say will probably be based on his knowledge of the players previously. Is this the best time to start a new job? Um, because it just feels like everything everything should be in place for him. And if indeed he has leverage on some of the signings he can make, and I, I, I refuse to believe that this he got a call last week and said, do you fancy an interview? I, I'm more than sure that this has been in the workings for a while. And Flynn has traditionally been someone that is always mentioned for the Swindon job, but he's always been employed before. Is this a, a good time to, to hit the ground running or, or could there be potential of, well, you know, I came in, in in May, which wasn't really enough time for me to do X, Y, Z. It feels like this is perfect timing. No, and I, I, th- I think it is perfect timing. I agree. Um, I think it's basically one of those things where if it doesn't work out, there's not really any excuses. It's just that whatever has been done has not worked out. Um, so, or, or at, least, at least in terms of the, the, the timing is not an excuse. You know, there might, there might be something we have absolutely no idea about that sort of leads to everything falling apart. And that there's no way that the timing of this would have really compensated for anything. But um, I mean, if, if you look at it in terms of sort of, we assume that, the summer and all that kind of stuff is going to progress as you would expect normally based on how, how things have got on, how we're changing this approach slightly. And then, yeah, I think it's, it, 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 yeah, like you say, it gives them time to have a look at what's gone right this season, keep that going, um, bin off the stuff that didn't quite go right. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously he has his own knowledge of um, the league and uh, the sort of people that he'd probably want to sort of bring into the club. I guess there'll be some kind of information that's still within the club on previous targets and all that kind of stuff, even if Sandra de Michele is uh, not there. Uh, so, yeah, they'll, they'll, I, I think this is the perfect time to start the job in terms of the, the heat's not going to be on for a, a while. So he, he can go in and properly plan that kind of season and pre-season and all that kind of stuff without having to deal with the day-to-day too much for, for a little while longer. But um, yeah, we're not, I mean, if we go into the season half-baked, then someone's going to have to front up, I think, because, you know, we've, we've had it three seasons in a row, all of which, I mean, last season was a bit of a joke, but the, the two seasons before for good reason. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's it's one of those things where by making this decision now and by bringing in someone of his kind of calibre and quality, we've set ourselves up to succeed and now we just need to actually go and do the stuff that allows you to succeed. Yeah. Connor, thank you very much. Thank you. It's left for Iandolo, hit him with power. With the right yeah. he's down! It's in! It's in! Swindon have a winner! Swindon have a winner! Right to the last goal! Perry Bath celebrates! Not it in! It's 1-0! Hello, Ed. Hello, Nosweitha. Good evening. 
oh, that was Welsh. I know that because I have two Welshmen on The Low Strangers, so I'm pretty fluent, you know. Good, excellent, delighted to hear it. And thank you for not asking me what that meant. (laughs) I don't get many fans of other teams. I have the Carlisle fan Leon from time to time, and I've had uh, I've had Jack from 1912 Exiles many many moons ago. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd be really interested for your perspective because the appointment of Michael Flynn at Swindon comes at what I think most fans see as quite a crucial time because in the last two years since the ownership change. There's been a lot of positivity behind the scenes. We had a really good first season with Ben Garner, which was a surprise. I don't think anyone was too enthused when the announcement was made that damaged goods Ben Garner was the right choice. He proved to be quite good and a move to Charlton Athletic. And then we appointed his assistant, Scott Lindsay. We never warmed to him. And boy, does he not have talk about that still to this day. Uh, But he chose to go to Crawley. And then we went for Jody Morris, who was a disaster. And that was one that most Swindon fans were like, okay, yeah, reasonable name, great coaching pedigree. And what it feels like with Michael Flynn is like Swindon have just pressed the reset and gone, let's play it safe. Mm -hmm. And I mean that with all the greatest respect to Michael Flynn, because in, in my opinion, I feel really relaxed by the appointment of Michael Flynn. I feel like like, even if it wasn't to go well, I can see why they went with him. But for you, Ed, as as a Newport County fan, there's so much more narrative to his journey at Newport because he's a local lad who saved the day and, and turned Newport at times into real contenders, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to try to disaggregate the love that we have for new for Flinney as a, a proper Newport boy, quote unquote, uh, and try to give you a, a as objective an analysis of his pedigree as a manager uh, as I possibly can. Um, but the starting point is very much, yeah, he was appointed when we were something like 11 games um, to go. No, in fact, fewer than that. Um, it, it, we, we'd had a disastrous season. We'd had Terry Butcher in charge uh, and it had all kind of gone to pot. This was 2016-2017. Um, um, we then had um, a, a disastrous uh, spell after that. Um, and Flynn was brought in at the point when we were... 11 points adrift and were as good as relegated. Um, And he was there really, we felt, to kind of mind the shop. No one expected him to keep us up. It was a, let's just give it to someone local to try and um, make sure we are ready to to, um, adjust to life back in the conference. And from nowhere, he inspired um, this sensational run that saw us uh, survive on the last day of the season at the expense of Hartlepool. and it kind of built from there. We then, over the years that followed, built this reputation as being cup specialists. We, you know, drew against the likes of uh, Spurs on our home turf. We uh, we beat teams like well, Newcastle, Middlesbrough, Leicester, uh, played the likes of Man City. And so Flynn was pulling in big money in terms of... Uh, gate receipts um, and TV money, which he could then invest in the team. But even then, we were still relative minnows in the division. And twice under him, we made uh, Wembley playoff finals, uh, losing to Tranmere and then to uh, to Morecambe. Um, and 
I think after the the Morecambe defeat, uh, which was in the the, the COVID season, um, Flynn I think felt that he perhaps deserved a little bit more respect than maybe he was getting from the board. He'd had a, a director of football appointed over his head, um, and I think there was a feeling that maybe. He had taken the club as far as he could go. I think he, for his part, as I say, felt a little underappreciated. And Walsall uh, came in, dangled uh, an offer in front of him, and off off he went. Um, and it was a bit of a strange departure. He'd kind of served a notice period at the club, which you don't tend to get with managers. Um, uh, but, you know, his heart wasn't really in it. And uh, I don't think there was any great surprise when he left. But yeah, I mean, he's he's still incredibly well regarded for what he managed to do for Newport County, um, not just in terms of securing our survival, which itself was a miracle, but then to kind of build uh, from there and have this kind of gradual evolution that saw us um, become a, a, an established fourth division side. What was the expectations from the club and indeed the fans? Because when you look at his form from afar, you see those two playoff absolute heartbreaking playoff losses extra time on both you know Tramier you kind of look at and go well, that's Tramier so but Morecambe that's the one that's there for the taking but was that him punching above his weight or or were Newport really saying to Flynn we want promotion and that's the expectancy oh I, I don't think anyone at Newport County expected promotion even our most optimistic of fans, I think, would recognise that with the crowds we've got and the size of the club and the the, the budget we have for bringing in players, um, we are we we have no right to be in the playoffs, and certainly have no right to be expecting to be in the playoffs. Um, he, like I say, he had done well to bring in quite sizable amounts of money through the cup runs. He invested that mostly fairly well although you know like all managers he had a few stinkers as well and we may come on to that in a bit um but yeah i mean he he managed to do quite a good job of setting a, a kind of strong team dynamic a very clear sense of uh, of purpose within the squad everyone knew their job it wasn't always pretty to watch um but he could grind out results and and the the key word that i will keep coming back to is evolution. You know, he took over, kept us up. The next season, I think we were third from bottom. But then gradually over time, we started to improve, not just in terms of our position in the league, but also um, in terms of the playing style. You know, we were quite agricultural when he came in. We, you know, there was lots of hoofing it up to a big man, playing it down the channels, percentage balls, all of that. But gradually over time, you could see he wanted to evolve his philosophy and did so quite successfully. And I think the the final full season he had when we got to that playoff final against Morecambe, we played some very attractive um, football along the way. It, it was helped by the fact that our uh, there was some investment in our pitch, so it stopped being the kind of mud bath that it had been in the early <laughs> part of his tenure. We actually could play some nice football. Um, but he wanted to entertain the fans, but he didn't want to do it at the expense of results. And that pragmatism is a, a key strength, I think, of, of Flynn's. Um, and, you know, if we look at the time he had at, at Walsall, which, you know, Newport County fans watched quite closely, you know, it's a bit like stalking your ex on Facebook. You know, we were keeping a bit of an eye on how he was getting on at Walsall. I think they, a little bit like you, wanted to bring in a safe pair of hands who could help the club continue to evolve step by step, you know, baby steps up the table. But then shortly after appointing him, they then had some investment, I think, from new American 
owners or, or directors. Um, and I think that's slightly changed the game because Flynn isn't the man you bring in when you've got money to spend. He's the man you bring in to um, find some some gold in amongst the dirt and, and gradually um, do stuff with it. So uh, I think as long as there isn't an overburden of expectation on Flynnie, you can probably expect um, to advance up the table. Probably, I, if I had to put my balls on the line, I would say he will win you promotion in two seasons' time. You know, you might get you might get to the playoffs next year and fall short, but I think he, you will see gradually he'll kick on after that. Well, you know, I want you to protect your balls at all <laughs> costs. So uh, I, I wouldn't mind a, a little bit more on evolution of style. Was it quite black and white? Was it quite, you know, it started in that way that everyone always remembers the negative stuff, don't they? Mm-hmm. The, the, the hoof into the air, the, all, the, all the dull, black, you know, not very entertaining football. And that's been mentioned within the fan base. It's been mentioned on this episode. But there was quite a dramatic twist in that final season, wasn't there? Was, was it was it gradual over time or did he go this season, we've got to do it agricultural and then a the season later, it's going to, we're going to try something out? Or was it just the the improvement in the pitch just opened up the the, the possibilities of how he wanted his side to play? I, I think the pitch was a big help because if you know you're going to be playing 23 games of your season on a surface that looks like the moon then you're not going to even it's not worth even trying to play good football you have to to come up with a style that is going to work for the majority of the the games in which you would expect to try and win um but the so the pitch changing helped but i think also he gradually got a uh, a group of players um who allowed to to have a, a more dynamic style you know we tended um to play kind of 5-3-2 under him you know and in that midfield mix you'd have a couple of bruisers but you'd also have a ball player who could be creative you know someone along the lines of Jake Kane perhaps um you know so when you've got a a, a good creative sparky player who's comfortable with the ball at their feet Flynn knows how to use them and get the best out of them but as I said at the, uh, a little earlier, he is an arch pragmatist. And so if there are games where you need to go and shut up shop, um, he can do that as well. Sounds good. Sounds very good. Well, what has the fan reaction been like? I, I, I'm Bristol-based, so Newport away is the easiest game of the season for mm-hmm. me when Bristol Rovers or Bristol City aren't in the same division. So it's it's one of the first games I look at when the fixtures are announced. And when you go to the game, there's no rivalry. But, you know, those group of lads by the dugout, they, yeah, yeah. they seem yeah. to enjoy um, Swindon at Rodney Parade. And Michael Flynn is is a hugely popular name. How's it gone down with the fan base? Um, I think there was a little bit of surprise. I think that, you know, the reaction on our kind of podcast WhatsApp group was his agent must be worth his weight in gold. Because I, I think most of us thought after being sacked by Walsall, um, although it was, you know, he hadn't failed there he just you know perhaps hadn't performed to the expectation of the board and, and he'd had a bad run I think most of us thought oh well he's going to have to take over a club either at the the, the bottom of the fourth division or, or potentially a conference team um, so to see him pop up at Swindon I think was a little bit of a surprise because arguably he's moved from a, a big uh, he's moved to a bigger club from where he was uh, at Walsall um, but having said that you said it at the start. I think your board perhaps looked at it and thought, what we need now is just someone who is a safe pair of hands who can get us through the summer transfer window, try and gradually improve the squad that you've got. You know, you don't need to rip everything up and start again. You just need to 
come up with a, a clear sense of, of what it is you want to do next season in terms of playing style, personnel, everything else. And, and and you don't have to improve an awful lot in this division. I mean, God knows. There's normally one or two teams who are miles above everyone else and then one team at the bottom who's a basket case. And then you kind of chuck a blanket over the rest. So, you know, you don't need to improve massively to be in the mix. And he's probably a good a good safe bet to do that. And I should, I, I haven't seen, but presumably he's bringing like Wayne Hatswell and his, uh, his wider team with him. Just Wayne Hatswell that we know of at the moment. I mean, Hatswell is in many ways, the the brains behind it all. Um, when Flynn left for Walsall, Hatswell stayed for a few months to help um, James Robry, our then new manager, to, to kind of bed in uh, and was also, you know, briefly caretaker. Um, and the, the two of them work extremely well as a team, Flynn and Hatswell. There was a great moment in, um, there was a BBC Wales documentary, I think it was, about Newport County, or maybe it was a BBC Radio Wales interview, where they talked to Flynn and uh, after a game where we'd, turn things around in the second half and they said did you go in and give your team a rollicking at half time he said no I made Wayne do it and Wayne Hatswell isn't the sort of man who goes and shouts at the team he's you know the he's the good cop to Flynn's bad cop so on the occasions when Flynn says to Wayne no you've got to go and give him a rollicking at half time that's when the players know they've really not done their job properly so um they they work well together Hatswell is a uh a, a tact- the tactical genius I think out of the two of them um, and so, yeah, they're a good a good combo. That's that's good. And Hatswell is is local to us too. Course, so yeah. born and raised in Swindon. So hopefully that has that extra edge. A couple more questions before we go. You, you mentioned the transfer market. What was his reputation? I, you can already see if you go on like social media, Swindon fans are already assuming that Mickey Demetriou is going to be at mm-hmm. Swindon at some point, and Priestley Farkasson and and you know a whole list of players. Danny Johnson as well, who had a good spell at Walsall. What was his reputation like in the transfer market? The good, the bad, the ugly, so to speak? Well, listen, I think any low division manager, particularly when they have a small budget and they have to rely on free transfers and the old gamble and, you know, when situations in transfer windows where maybe you've missed out on your first, second and third choice and you end up having to sign your fourth, fifth and sixth choice. There were a fair number of flops, it's fair to say, but there were also an awful lot of successes as well. Um, and Flynn, I think, would be the first to admit that he doesn't get all of them right. But he's quite good at moving on the ones who don't come up to uh, come up to the standard. Um, and overall, I think he, he he did extremely well in terms of acquisitions. Um, the one exception to that, I think, was probably the season uh, when he left. Um, when we'd had a poor transfer window, there clearly had been disagreements between him and the director of football about who to bring in. Um, and and we didn't have a, a, a particularly good squad. Um, and we were saved really by having some exceptional low knees who came in quite late on. Um, but I think, yeah, you'll see a lot of players coming in and some of them won't stay very long and will go straight on out. But you can expect that there will be some um, some quality in there. He does like to bring in players who he's worked with before. So, you know, at Walsall, he brought in some ex-Newport boys. You know, he likes having friendly faces around. I don't think you'll get Priestley Farquharson because I think he will be moving up a division, maybe even two, if uh, rumours are to be believed. Mickey Dimitriou, quite possibly. Um, I think there was a feeling after our final game on Monday that he's he's going because he, he lingered and did lots of photos and, you know, there was a kind of cryptic tweet. So I think he'll be off. He could well be one who comes your way. 
Scott Bennett again was a Flynn favourite central midfielder. Um, not the most uh, eye-catching of players, but we always call him the onion, the onion in the curry because you notice when he's not there. Um, so possibly, you know, you may see some ex-Newport players uh, heading towards the county ground. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I've criticised Joss the Bady quite a few times over the years in the pod, but I imagine he's the sort of player that I want in my team, just not opposing me because he can be a bit of a brute when playing against Swindon. Yeah, it, I mean, we love Labadee at, at Newport. I think the feeling was probably when he left for Walsall, he had one good season left in him. And I think he probably had half a season. Uh, and then he's sort of fallen down the pecking order, I think. because I mean, firstly, he will get a yellow card every single game. And secondly, he's perhaps lost that, that yard of pace. So I, I wouldn't necessarily expect <laughs> him to follow Flynn. But who knows? Yeah, that's that's another surname that I've absolutely butchered uh, in this worry. episode. But I'll, I'll, I'll take the hit on that too. What, what's he like with youth development? Because something that, again... I mentioned earlier in this episode and uh, and fans are talking about it, is his, the impact that he had on Scott Twine's career. Mm. Was that a one-off or does he really nurture um, up-and-coming players? Um, he nurtured up-and-coming players really well, um, but they tended to be low knees from clubs higher up. Um, what he didn't do so well was give opportunities to our own academy products. Now, that is partly a reflection on the fact that our academy products have not generally been um, of massive quality um but if but on the occasions when we have had some who fans have have felt could potentially make the grade they found it quite difficult to get a look in under Flynn um so that's the that's the negative side the positive side is yeah he definitely um got the most out of Scott Twine um you know there were plenty of other loanees that we had over the years who um yeah he he was able to incorporate into his team and, and use well and I think Swindon are probably in quite a good position to get firstly decent quality players but also to get them for kind of whole seasons rather than six months which is often what Newport ended up with yeah and finally last question when the announcement was made that Flynn had become Swindon manager um, it was on the way to the last day of the season the home game against Crawley and with town 2-0 up Mm -hmm. he came on the pitch scarf you know Scarf on, waving it around, brilliant stuff. And then he gave an interview with Chris Hull at Swindon on the pitch. He said all the right things, got the hearty round of applause. And it made us wonder what his relationship was like with the fans and indeed the community. Because what we've had since Richie Wellens left is a real gap Mm. uh, between head coaches and managers really engaging, turning up on a podcast fan content even the club stuff is one thing but with Richie Wellens you know that if you wanted him he would turn up if he could um, and we've not had that since so perhaps we were spoiled and he was the other side of that sort of spectrum but what is Michael Flynn like what was his relationship with the fans like I guess it is a little bit different because he is a, a Newport lad yeah I mean that's, it's very difficult to talk about it without looking at it through that prism you know he's from the area he lived locally all the people he was at school with would be stood behind him on the terrace, you know, so it's, it's hard to give an objective response to that. Um, But he did keep a good relationship with the fans. The other thing that I would say is he had a a good productive relationship with the local media. So, you know, we've spoken to the chief football writer at the South Wales Argus before about his relationship with Flynn and how it compared to other managers. And he said, you know, Flynn would come along, he'd have the one point he would want to land in interviews that he would make sure you knew needed to be the headline. Um, and so he doesn't get caught caught out saying 
the wrong thing or or having something quoted that isn't what he wants he will make sure that what he wants to be the story is the story and so that i found that quite interesting because when you read stuff on the back page you think is that a an interesting scoop that the journalist has managed to wheedle out of the manager um, and in flynn's case the answer would usually be no he he knows exactly what he's doing and and uses media interviews extremely well so yeah that's one to watch fantastic ed thank you very much great pleasure um look forward to seeing you next season we always have um, a big crowd coming to your place and a big crowd from your lot coming to our place because it's only just down the road so yeah we'll uh, we'll see you then thanks very much i'll be a tiny rebel don't you worry good man <laughs> <laughs> The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy... Or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.